This is Philip Coleman, and I just want to give you a quick disclaimer before this week's episode. I had an opportunity to sit down with Vivica Carr, one of our members here at True North and a member of our vision implementation team. That's going to be the bulk of the discussion that we have in the episode you're about to listen to. One difference this week is we did record in a live environment. We typically don't do that. And so you may notice additional background noise, incidental noises, phones going off, things like that. Uh, I still think that the content of our interview is worth listening to, and I hope that you'll make it through this episode, but wanted to give you a heads up that that's not typical, and I wanted to let you know what to expect. Things should be back to normal next week, and hopefully we'll talk to you then. Thanks a lot, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 10th and L podcast brought to you by True North Church in Anchorage, Alaska. My name is Philip Coleman and I'm joined today by Vivica Carr. Vivica, how are you today? Doing well, resting in the comfort of the Lord. Amen. I'm glad to hear that. Me too. Me too. For those that are listening at home, uh, this will be episode 21. We're going to have a follow-up conversation about the vision implementation team at True North Church. If you're just tuning in, uh, last week's episode, episode 20, I had the opportunity to interview Pastor Gary Motes from the First Baptist Church in Anchorage, and Gary and I discussed church revitalization. What happens when an established church has dwindled, has begun to die? How does God do a new movement in that church, and how can God's people participate in that movement and come on board with what God's doing? So today, Vivica and I will talk a little bit about the vision of the church, something that we had the chance to roll out in the early part of this year. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about what the vision team has been doing, give you guys an update since my conversation with Tom a couple of months ago. And we're pretty close to landing the plane on this thing. So we may even get into what to expect in November and December as the vision team hopefully becomes obsolete by doing its job so well. So Vivica, for those who don't know you, uh, would you take a couple minutes and just share with us a little bit of your testimony, some of your story, whatever you're comfortable with, and then we'll get into the vision team discussion. You promised me an hour, Phil. <laughs> we'll see if you can fill it. It's a challenge, okay? Thank you. Thank yeah, you. No it's problem. a pleasure to be here. Good. And uh, I'm very happy to be a part of the Vision Implementation Team. It's been a really spiritual, good journey mm. and uh, a path, a deeper path to God. And so um, I have known the Lord all my life. Mm from being in my mother's womb, just like the Bible says, literally. My mother realized she was going to have me when she was seven months pregnant. For the first seven months, two doctors argued. One thought I was a tumor, one thought I was a baby. I'll tell you my age by saying back in the day, there were no sonograms. Um, I don't even know if they had gyroscopes. I don't know what they were using. But um, yeah, I could have been dead. But the doctor who thought I was a baby went out, and my mother was on bed rest for the two months after she revived, um, knowing that she was going to have a baby very shortly. And um, God has just walked with me throughout my life. I gave my life to Christ when I was 14, and I've been in uh, church leadership ever since. I was fortunate the church I went to was really big on youth leadership, and so I was president of the Baptist Youth Fellowship, Sunday school teacher. I went to church eight times a week. Wow. In a seven-day week. Yep. Yes. Yep. Four times on Sunday. And so, yeah, when we were, it was school and church, and it, it's been a blessing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to complain. 
Uh, I moved to Alaska in 1978 and uh, continued my spiritual journey working in a church. And uh, it was it was a much larger church. And I've come to learn that I like a smaller congregation mm-hmm. where people, everybody knows your name. And so I do love the life group um, aspect of True North. I came to True North, interestingly, um, years ago. I was working in Muldoon for a nursing school, which was uh, next to the library, the Muldoon Library. Mm-hmm. And a young man came in, and I feel bad that I can't remember his name, but he was a uh, little blonde-haired, eyeglass-wearing, nice young man, probably about 12, mm-hmm. and he was looking for work. And I told him I worked for the state, and the state didn't hire 12-year-olds. But if I knew of anybody that needed somebody to cut their grass or do errands or anything, I would let him know. And so, you know, when he would get tired of hanging out at the Boys and Girls Club, he would come over and visit with me. And he actually invited me to his church, and his church was True North. Wow. They were meeting in the library at the time. And at mm-hmm. the time, I was a member of a church that did not allow the members to go visiting hmm. other churches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had to have a note from your mother if you, were, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> if you didn't show up for service. So I never made it there. And then um, 19, no, not 19, 2016, I got laid off from that job and uh, had moved into the Mountain View community and was looking for a church because I had been going to church at uh, Huffman Life Church. Mm. And that was quite a commute. And so I was looking for something a little bit closer. And I would see the flags outside the Clark Middle School and went in, went in and had a very good time and a very nice um, service. And afterwards, every now and then, I would kept popping back in. And then I um, took ill and mm-hmm. was in the hospital off and on in 2018, about two or three times. And so um, once I recovered from that, I started attending back again mm-hmm. and hooked up with some very nice life groups again. But I keep losing life group leaders, and so mm-hmm. I keep moving away. Hopefully, my latest life group leader, who's Tyler, is one of the founders, and he'll be around for a while. We so, hope so. Yeah, he wears yeah. a lot of hats at True North. We, so we, we hope to grow old together. Good. Very, very good. Yeah, you're a part of the online life group. Is that right? That is yeah. correct. Yeah, I love that. That's been, that's been such a great fruit of COVID. As much negativity as ha- has come, it's been wonderful to learn how to be better about connecting to each other. Yeah, I was able to eat breakfast and jump in my car and go do my life group. There you go. (laughs) That's awesome. Very good. Well, I remember uh, back at the beginning of 2021, which is this year, that feels like it's in the future still to me. It has not sunk in yet and it's almost over. But I remember when we began asking the congregation to consider, you know, would God use you in this way? And so many of the members of our vision implementation team have no experience in church leadership. In some ways, that's been great for them. It's a gift, I think, that we get to invite them into that for the first time and let them stretch their legs a little bit. But I remember being so excited when I got the email from you that you would be open, that you would be willing, that God might be calling you this direction. And it's been wonderful to get to know you better personally, to be a teammate with you on the vision team. But to also gain from your influence, from your perspective, and you, you bring a very calming presence to our team. Oh, thank you. I don't know if anybody else has ever described you that way, but that's been my experience, Vivica. I respond to my stimuli. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm boring then, huh? No, you're just very calming. 
Oh, I appreciate that. So it's been great to get to work with you. And certainly being on the vision team has been a little bit of a behind the scenes role just because we haven't had a ton of folks engage with the forums. Some have come faithfully and have great contributions to make. And we've appreciated that. And certainly we've heard from many people that they're not showing up because they don't know. They're waiting to be given some guidance. But it's wonderful to think about the lasting influence, the ripples that will come out of this year of our time together in the life of the church in the future. So let's talk a little bit. Uh, I want to think back to when we when I interviewed Tom. I'm just shooting from the hip here. I think we had had one or two forums only at that point. So there's a fair amount of ground to cover. Um, I want to give you just open season on any one of those forums that stuck out to you. Is there one of those in-person discussions that comes to mind where you felt like the conversation was very encouraging or there was a lot of creativity? Is there any of those that you could highlight for us? Not one in particular. Okay. They've all been very edifying, um, even though a lot of congregation members have not come through. Um, the spirit of the congregation is always there. Mm-hmm. And so um, we've been able to narrow down a lot of good um, missions and ideas and just hope for the, for the Anchorage community, which is what I'm always bragging about true north to Mm. anybody that'll listen and those that won't listen (laughs) how great my church is in relationship to helping and wanting to help the community i believe we are truly leaders Mm. in in that area um and many people don't know some of my team knows i work with shallow community housing Mm -hmm. which helps the community with evictions and utility shutoffs and deposit assistance and we have a program for homeless youth 18 to 24 and so when I see the magnitude of the community that reaches out to us because um, either they're unchurched or their church is not available to assist them and we are so willing to do that without any um, scrutiny Mm -hmm. so to speak they don't have to walk coals and supply DNA tests and (laughs) bank accounts and things of that nature. And we're just, you know, depending on God to keep us as good stewards. And that's that's important. It and is. That's what I found with the vision implementation team is that we just want to continue to be good stewards. That's right. And I think for at least the three years I've been at the church, there are so many members who want to help. And many members have found their own way. And I think that's good and right. They've made their own connection to a soup kitchen or a shelter or um, some other auxiliary organization or ministry. But we've realized that I think in most churches, a lot of that movement comes from the church staff, the pastors, the elders. They have an idea. We're going to do this event. We're going to do this outreach. And then they spend a lot of their time and energy organizing and trying to convince the members to show up. But there is there something special about the members themselves being able to take ownership of these relationships and partnerships. And uh, I know that the Relief Fund, specifically, um, you were kind of alluding to it, it was important to us at the outset to create as few barriers as possible while maintaining accountability. And the only way we could see to do that was to build a team of people so that there would be multiple sets of eyes and multiple brains and different people checking on God's spirit, praying, asking for guidance. Uh, But I think that's given us the freedom to be pretty open-handed. And where we've seen, you know, here we are 18 months into this pandemic and nobody knows if if we're almost at the end or if this is still the beginning. We hope and pray that people will be safe and it will come to an end. But to be able to continue to provide help and aid, not just in those opening weeks of the pandemic, but here a year and a half later, it's really a testament to the faithfulness of our flock, of our congregation. Because if the people don't give, 
you know, God does miracles, but we can't just come up with more money. And so it's been a wonderful blessing to see people stay faithful, to continue giving, and uh, for you and others to, to allow some of the community to get connected where they have a need and for us to be able to serve. And so when I think back about some of the forums that we've had, you know, we've discussed uh, shaping our community and we've discussed showing mercy to people and trying to share the gospel. And one of the most exciting things to me is not just the solutions that we've reached. We have some good ideas. I think we have a good plan. But the spirit of the people is the want to. We want to do this right. We want to show up. We want to learn how. And and we're really willing to think outside the box. I think that's very helpful to be creative and to be open to God's leadership. Um, I remember one of the forums that we had was sharing the gospel. And if I remember right, nobody showed up but vision team members. And that was okay. I think at first there were a few who thought, oh, this is a little bit disappointing. But the robust conversation that we had led us to believe probably the reason people are not here is because they don't know how to do this. They have no recommendation to make. They've never been trained. And instead of letting that be something that's defeating, it's created some really exciting conversations about where we can go from here and how we can reevaluate what do we even mean when we say the gospel and how do we share it and how can that be effective. So it's been a wonderful journey for me as well. And to be praying alongside those of you who are on the team and learning from you and and watching especially our younger members of the team step into a little bit of church leadership for the first time, it's been really exciting. Uh, let me ask you if you can if you can think of any off the top of your head. Um, I, we had a brainstorming session a number of weeks ago where we tried to talk about what is the church really capable of? How much load can the church bear right out of the gate? We don't want to just present a bunch of ideas and not do any of them because it's overwhelming. And so does anything come to mind as far as those partnerships or initiatives that we've decided to recommend to the church? Does one stick out as exciting to you? Well, the Beacon Hill. Hmm. That, that really touched my heart yeah. because of the, um, here at Child Community, in our life program, we do come in contact with a lot of um, youth who have outgrown uh, the foster care mm-hmm. system. And we hear some of their stories. Um, when I worked in youth employment for the state, also dealt with a lot of foster kids and some of the stories that they have um, most grown people would not be able to endure what what Mm -hmm. they've endured. Mm -hmm. And so to support uh, Beacon Hill is really going to be a a good thing for both for both of us. And the other thing that I wanted to mention is especially for today's society, what I love the most is we're trying to help on our own. Yeah, we're not some people when I mentioned the uh, COVID relief, they were like, Oh, did they get money from the government? No, sir. We're doing this by the grace of God yeah. on our own, just mm-hmm. being good, good people, wanting to do the right thing. Yeah. And, you know, as a nation, I think we just need to evolve to that. There's all the discussion about liberal and conservative <laughs> and left and right and who's right and who's wrong. But again, if we just stick with the Bible, do what God says. We need to take care of people yeah. like he's taking care of us. That's right. And that's one of the great things about Beacon Hill. I think foster care is a great example of the gospel lived out because a foster child cannot give you anything in return. They have nothing. I mean, they have less than nothing oftentimes. They've been taken from by adults and grownups, the experiences they've had to endure, the things they've been exposed to. Uh, you know, my wife and I are former foster parents, now adoptive parents, and our daughter is amazing. We love her. We, we think she is the most uh, just special and beautiful young woman and has all, by any indication, she's going to have a great life. But there will always be scars 
and, and God heals and forgives, but those experiences are still a part of her story. And I think that sometimes, unfortunately, God's people or those who claim to be God's people are unwilling to get into the messy parts of other people's lives. They want someone to have already figured out how to be responsible or how to take care of themselves before they're willing to help. And the relief fund, but even more Beacon Hill, I think is a great opportunity to support a ministry that has the expertise. You know, we're not having to reinvent the wheel and involve ourselves in things where we're going to be less helpful than, you know, than another organization would be. Uh, but I like Beacon Hill too because it's holistic. It's not just how do we support the kids, but it provides support for the families and their safe families program where parents can opt in to have their children just basically take a short vacation with another family so that mom and dad can work through some issues, deal with unemployment, addiction, things like that. Just a chance to to focus on their own issues I think is such a special and powerful and, and unique opportunity that Beacon Hill can bring to the table. And I don't know if you know this, Vivica, but recently, uh, I won't say the name because I, it may be sensitive to some people, but there was a church in town that was very closely connected with Beacon Hill that had to close its doors during mm-hmm. COVID. And uh, one of the individuals who I think played a, a founding role at Beacon Hill uh, had come from that church and had been very connected to that church. And because of a number of different just internal issues that church had to dissolve. And uh, I just think that the door is wide open for uh, not just our church. Certainly we don't think we're the greatest or best at all, but we want other churches. (laughs) You think maybe so (laughs) off the record, right off the record. Um, But we want to see churches step in and fill that gap, fill that need. Every ministry needs a connection to a local church. Every ministry needs normal Bible believing Christians to be faithful and to follow God's leadership. Amen. One of the uh, go ahead. You have something oh, to say. I was going to say Amen and the crisis pregnancy. That's right. That's the one I was going to mention. Yeah, is the other mm-hmm. one that we're going to be supporting, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, Greg Monrad is a great guy. He's the director over there. I think he's also a black belt in he's taekwondo. taekwondo. Yeah. He's won many many championships. He'll take you to the mat. That's right. <laughs> Greg is a great guy. He's been such a great presence in our community in different roles in the past. And Did he go into the ministry? He did briefly, yes, okay. I believe okay. so. And then I think uh, the church that he was that he's still a part of, and I cannot remember which one it is. It may be Rabbit Creek that he's a part of. Okay. Uh, but they basically commissioned him. There was a need at the community pregnancy center, and he felt that he could do some good. And I think this has been a number of years ago. I think it may have even been four or five years ago that he stepped in almost maybe as an interim. And then, of course, God knew best, and now he's there in the full-time capacity as their director. Great, great, great. And their programs that they've been able to bring to the table, the way that he's been able to help uh, just expand the influence and really reconnect to the local churches. The previous leadership, I was not here, I don't know them, but the reputation of the previous leadership was that they were at times unwilling to work with local churches. And again, the Community Pregnancy Center doesn't exist really without the help of the local church. And so Greg's been great. Folks who are listening may remember that he came and spoke briefly at True North early in 2020. We did a series through the image of God and how do we interact with people who with ladies who are post-abortive, pre-abortive, fathers who've encouraged abortion, things like that. How do we help people not just condemn them, which is what they expect? And Greg was a great participant in that. I know one of the dreams they have, one of the things we hope to help them with, is they really want to create additional, um, not full-size clinics, but just places where they have an office where they can meet with people maybe a couple of hours, one day a week, get some imaging equipment, potentially provide imaging and counseling for young ladies and young fathers. And so... I think that we may have an opportunity to do that, not just to help fund them month to month, but whether it's at First Baptist or if God should lead us to, to find another space in town eventually 
to give them a piece of that property to use, I think would be a blessing. So yeah, those were two that came out of the conversation around how we show mercy. You know, like I said, we've discussed evangelism so far. How do we do that? What's effective? What's not? Um, how do we shape our community? How do we invest in the community um, in a way that brings hope and brings life to people? I think a lot of what you do here at Shiloh is representative of that. Uh, and it's just been a very exciting uh, conversation and journey. So I think I'll land the plane here unless you have any other thoughts you want to share. Um, for those that are listening so that you're aware, uh, this this year, 2021, on November the 7th, there will be a business discussion. It's not a meeting. There will be no formal voting, but we will talk about everything that will be voted upon in December. If you're able to be a part of that, that will happen immediately after the service on November the 7th down in the Fellowship Hall at FBC. And one of the things we'll be discussing is the budget, and part of the budget will contain some recommendations from the vision team. Not all of the vision team's recommendations come with a financial obligation. Some of them are just philosophy or best practices, but the vision team will have an opportunity to present some of that. And then God willing, that will be the flesh that goes on the bones in 2022. And we'll make the, not just the vision, won't just be theoretical ideas, but it will become what we do, a part of our DNA at True North. So Vivica, I appreciate your time. Oh, I appreciate you having me, Phil. Yeah. And I just want to encourage people, not just within True North, but everywhere, and not just because of COVID, but all the time. If you don't see somebody or you're not connecting with somebody, reach out to them. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people that are hurting, that are feeling um, disconnected, that are feeling rejected. Um, some people, for whatever reason, aren't participating um, in person at church. So just give somebody a call, a text, a shout or something monkey face on facebook i don't know <laughs> but just let people know that you still we got to still love each other that's exactly right even while we're distancing so that's right yep i'd say that social media has made us unsocial but let's utilize it for the good amen yeah and let's not let one another though we may have to distance we don't have to be isolated right amen yeah very good well vivica i appreciate your time and listener we appreciate you tuning in hopefully this has been helpful to you to have an update on the direction that the vision implementation team is moving. As always, church, we are here for you. We hope this has been a blessing and we love you. We'll see you very soon.